And we've been talking about the last few weeks on the theme of live heroically. And I pointed out at the beginning of this series that in, in connected to the word heroically is the idea of in a, a, an admirably brave and determined manner. In an admirably brave and determined manner. People that live heroically are people that are brave. They're people that live with determination. And in this series, we've looked at Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel 1, they lived heroically by purposing in their heart that they would not contaminate themselves. They would not pollute themselves, but they would remain loyal to their God. And they wouldn't allow a name change to change who they knew they were in God. And then we looked at uh, also at the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they were brave in the face of being threatened to be burned by fire. And that because they refused to bow, they did not burn. And we went back to look at the life of Daniel. And we discovered that Daniel was able to live through the reign of four different monarchs, four different kings. And he, he, he continued. He in Endured. And we learned that the secret to him living heroically was that he prayed persistently. Then la- the last time we looked at this theme two weeks ago, we looked at David's mighty men who were willing to fulfill a longing, a wish that he had. And they were willing to break through the enemy's stronghold in order to give their leader a drink from the well of the water at Bethlehem. These men demonstrated a, a, a heroism through a determined devotion, a devotion that That was extreme. Now, today, we're going to look at the fact that living heroically takes risk. Living heroically takes risk. And if you have a Bible, you can go to the second chapter of the book of Joshua. If you don't have a Bible in hand, you probably have a, an iPhone or a tablet that uh, is smart. And even if it's half dumb, you probably can download apps to it, okay? And if you've downloaded the Bible app, you can go to Joshua chapter 2, because that's primarily where we're going to be hanging out at today. And I want to unpack some things found in this second chapter of Joshua, Joshua chapter 2, and we'll focus on the content found in verses 1 through 21. Basically, what we find here is an individual that was willing to take risk. And why is risk important? The the truth is, risk is essential. There is no growth or inspiration in staying within what is safe and comfortable. I love what Max Lucado wrote in a book. He wrote, God honors radical risk-taking faith. When arcs are built, lives are saved. When soldiers march, Jericho's tumble. When staffs are raised, seas still open. When a lunch is shared, thousands are fed. And when a garment is touched, whether by the hand of an anemic woman in Galilee or by the prayers of a beggar in Bangladesh, Jesus stops. He stops and responds. In 
other words, if you want to experience a reward, you've got to be willing to take a risk. Who does God reward? The Bible says He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And it uses that phrase in the context of faith by pointing out in Hebrews 11.6 that by faith, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. I'm calling you out today to take a risk. I've often said that every church has one of two choices. They can either risk or they can rust. The word rust has the definition of to waste away one's potential powers through inaction. To waste away one's potential powers through inaction. And can I say to you today that it is possible for us to waste away the opportunity to see the display and demonstration of God's power in our lives, in our families, in our circumstances because of an unwillingness to risk. But let me say to you, if God is calling you to the edge, it's not to push you over and to see you plummet to disaster. No, He's calling you to the edge so that you can let go and soar to places you thought you could never reach. Take the risk because with risk there is a reward. There was a preacher. Go ahead. If you're going to give it to Jesus, give it to Him the right way. Mm. Don't give me no sorry claps, people. This isn't the PGA. I don't want no golf claps in his house. The Hebrew word for clap, by the way, means to strike a tent peg with a hammer. You don't go, dale, toda gana, everything you got. Amen. Back in the 70s and 80s, there was a preacher, a Baptist preacher from South Central Los Angeles that I loved to hear from. His name was Dr. Evie Hill. He was a black preacher that would preach pointedly with anointing. I mean, his messages were always on point, and I love Dr. Evie Hill. Well, Doc, Pastor Evie Hill one day was talking about the racial violence in downtown Watts in the Los Angeles area. He was a Baptist preacher and was caught up in that kind of tension. There was another of the black pastors who had already been killed because of their involvement in the racial tension. Evie Hill got a threatening phone call and he was told that if he did not cease his involvement in the racial conflict, that he would be killed. They told him that they would put a bomb in his car. The next day when he woke up, he noticed his wife was not there. When he looked out unto the garage, the car was gone. He looked out the window afterwards and then he saw his wife was driving up in the car. When he asked her what she was doing, she said, I just wanted to be sure that no bomb would explode on you. In other words, she was personally involved in his protection. She was willing to take the risk for the benefit of another. 
In Joshua chapter 2, we find another woman that was willing to take a risk that would not only benefit her, but others connected to her. Her name is Rahab, and her story, as already noted, is found in the book of Joshua. I want to focus on her story, looking primarily at the second chapter of Joshua, because in this second chapter, there are four things that I'd wish to unpack this morning. And what I see primarily emphasized throughout the chapter regarding her is that her faith was demonstrated through risk. Her faith was demonstrated through risk. In fact, to exercise faith requires taking a risk. Now, what do we learn in this second chapter of Joshua chapter 2 regarding her? First, she believed and she received. She believed and she received. There in Joshua chapter 2, beginning with verse 1 down to verse 4, it says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot, a prostitute named Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. And notice what it says she did. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. The woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Now, Joshua sent them, these two men, to spy out the land. But Rahab, through her faith, she believed that they were sent by God. They were God sent to save her and her family. She believed that they didn't arrive at her home by accident. There was something in her that caused her to believe that these men were the key to salvation for her and her household. She believed and she received. What did she receive? She received these men that came for lodging and her home. She received them by faith. Now, watch this. I love these words that were uttered by Mike Murdoch because they have replayed in my mind and echoed within the chamber of my mind repeatedly. He says, when God gets ready to bless you, He brings a person in your life. When God gets ready to bless you, He brings a person in your life. There are divine connections that God sends your way people that God connects to you that will propel you to your miracle. And I'm saying to you that Rahab somehow, because of her faith in God, even though it was just beginning, even though it was an infancy stage, somehow she believed that these men that had come appealing to her for lodging held 
the key for salvation that would be demonstrated unto her and to her family. I want you to understand, there are no coincidences with God. When God sends someone your way, and by faith you receive them, understand, you're not only receiving them, you're receiving all that God wants to give you through their life. She believed and she received. I want to encourage you to respect and receive those whom God has connected to you to help you. Because God cares for people through people. God cares for people through people. Look what the writer of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31 says of Rahab's faith. By faith, the harlot, say harlot. She was a prostitute. She was a hoot. No, I better, I better not go there, okay. She was a, and I love the way the Bible does not gloss over, doesn't try to pretty up her past. The Bible is candid and honest. In fact, let me get, I'm, I'm, I feel the preach coming on now, so. Put your pre, put your seatbelts on. You see, because if you read the book of Hebrews chapter and chapter 11 specifically, that is called the Hall of Fame of Faith, you will discover that in this chapter there are only two ladies that are mentioned. The others are men, but there are only two ladies, Sarah and Rahab. Sarah was like a church girl, but Rahab, she was all hood. But they're both mentioned in the hall of fame of faith. Because it doesn't matter where you're at. Even if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed. And girlfriend, if you're in the hood, all you got to do is exercise that little faith. And God will do a big thing for you and through you. This is why I, I trip out on, on church folk. Church folk, I like, who do they think they are? It's not about who they think they are. It's who are they looking to? If they're looking to the same God that you're looking to and exercising the faith in God that you are, God can do His mighty work in them regardless of where they are at right now because God responds not to emotion. God responds not to the label placed on you. He responds to faith. Faith. The Bible says, by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received how the spies with peace. She welcomed them. She received them. And how did she do it? By faith. Because she believed these guys hold the key to my deliverance and the deliverance of my family. She believed and she received. Then she believed and she perceived. She believed and she perceived. Look what the Bible tells us in in Joshua chapter 2, beginning with verse 8 down to verse 11. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know, say I know. 
I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. Watch this. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. The word perceive, it means to become aware or conscious of something. Come to realize or understand. Come to know. Faith will not only cause you to believe that God can. Faith will illuminate your mind and show you who God is. It will reveal to you more of His nature, more of His character. And the reason why I know that she was the only one who had faith among those inhabitants in Jericho because when they heard of God their hearts did melt when they heard of God they felt terror towards God for the miracles that he did but her faith caused her to be able to receive more understanding than they had she was not just aware that he was a miracle worker but something in her told her he is more than one who empowers his people to destroy kings he also has the power to deliver and that her faith faith caused her to look at God, not just for something, but to see Him as the one that He is. I'm going to try to behave, but I'm struggling. Because see, when, when you know, when you get this, it's like, you want everybody to get <sighs> Look at her confession. Look at her confession. Look at the last part of her. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Here's what I know about a lot of Christians. They know He is God in heaven above. And one glad morning, when this life is over, we're going to have peace One glad morning, when this life is over, we're going to have joy. Because in heaven, He's on His throne. In heaven, there's a whole lot of action going on. There's thunder and lightning happening around His throne. In heaven, you can see different colors. In heaven, oh, you see precious stones made of different material. In heaven, the streets are of gold and and the gates are of pearl. In heaven, I mean, there's a whole lot going on. His glory is manifested. His power is in display. Oh, but Rahab believed he's not just God in heaven above. He's God on earth beneath. In other words, she believed the power that is working up there can also come down and work down here. Oh, do you believe today that you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to be healed of your sickness and disease? Do you believe today that you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to be free from that addiction? Do you believe today?
today that he can take bitterness and envy and lust out of your heart and set you free. Do you believe today that you can have peace that passes all understanding and a joy unspeakable and full of glory here on earth beneath and not just when you get to heaven above? In fact, this is what Moses wanted God's people to believe. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 39. Do you, do you like how I do that? I just go like that and boom, it changes. It says, therefore, know this and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself woo, is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. Let me tell you, in the midst of chaos here in the United States of America, I still believe that ultimately he's the king of kings and we can experience calm in the midst of chaos here in the United States of America. I still believe that in places of poverty prosperity can be known because he is not just the one who has riches and glory, but he's the one that says I will supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then thirdly, thirdly, she believed in deed. She believed in deed. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna read real fast verses 12 to 21, and, and, and don't get confused. I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm just reading real fast because some people be like, oh, all of a sudden he went speaking in tongues. No, I'm reading real fast. It tells us now, therefore, I beg you to wait for me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness and you also, and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brother, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours, if none of you tell the, this business of ours. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we would not count me and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, wait, 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 Home. So it shall be that way because outside the doors of the house, there's a shame. His bones will be on his own head, and we begin to listen. And whoever's with you in the house, his blood shall be on your head, and it's laid on him. And if you would tell the business, then we wave your I'm not talking in tongues. Those of you on live stream, I'm still reading fast. Then she said, according to yours, so be it. And she went, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Did you get that last part? She bound the scarlet cord. In the window. What color is that scarlet, that scarlet cord? Hey. Ooh. I should be held. I want to just run through, but I got to be here. Look at James chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. It says of her, Likewise was not Rahab the heart at also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as a body without spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. She had faith. She believed in deed. She believed in deed. How do we know? Because of what she did. A deed. She believed in deed. We believers need to be people who put faith 
into action. I have a question. If five frogs are sitting on a log and four of them decide to jump into the water, how many frogs are left on the log? Okay, I hear it. I heard it in color. One. The answer is five. How, pastor? Watch this. It's not until they actually take action on the decision that they get off the log. Good intentions or stated decisions mean nothing without action. Oh, come on, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all acting like, I still don't get how. <laughs> Let me break it down. How many of you have said, hurt somebody, or you even said, I'm going on a diet this week. <laughs> By the end of the week, they don't look 10 pounds lighter. They look 10 pounds heavier in your life. I thought you were going on a diet. I thought you decided to go on a diet. Ain't no diet happening till you take action. Do you, good intentions and even stated decisions mean nothing without action. Rahab didn't just have good intentions. She took action. They told her, put the scarlet cord, this one that you're letting us down, uh, off, outside the window of your house, down outside the wall of the city, that scarlet cord, hang it there. Ooh. You see, true faith has hands and feet. It takes action. It's not enough to know that you know. You've got to show that you know. And that's what Rahab did. She showed that she knew that God was the one and true God of the heaven above and of earth beneath. And then notice... The scarlet cord. Rahab asked for a sure sign in the King James. In the New King James, it uses the word a true token. It was a covenant agreement. They said, tie the scarlet cord in your window. It was a sure sign, a true token, because of what the scarlet cord emphasizes. It's a blood covenant. It's a blood oath. Remember, these Israelites would continue into the promised land with the tabernacle of God being the place where their covenant with God was kept inside the ark, where the covenant was continually re-emphasized with blood through sacrifices. And if you remember what the tabernacle looked like, you might remember that throughout the tabernacle its walls, its curtains, it's embroidered cherubim. It's clothing for the priest. Throughout it all, there was interwoven scarlet thread. And between the walls of those scarlet woven and embroidered curtains, a ritual happened repeatedly. The ritual of sacrifice. Animals were taken. Their scarlet blood was drained and, and gathered, sprinkled. And then their carcasses were butch, well, butchered and burned. And then they were placed again 
again and again on the altar to signify to the people that once again this covenant with their God was signed and sealed. They were his people. God was their God. Their sins were forgiven. To the Israelites, the scarlet thread interwoven throughout the tabernacle along with the repeated ceremonies of sacrifice were to them symbols of covenant, of agreement with God, sealed through the shedding of blood, that their sins were forgiven and they were God's very own people. And so it was good for these spies to tell her, to instruct her, if you want to be saved and you want your household to be preserved and delivered as well, then you need to hang this scarlet cord outside your window. They were telling her that by type and by shadow and by symbol, there's only one way for salvation and it's through the blood. There's only one way. And let me tell you today, I may sound old fashioned, but I want you to know, I still believe there's only one way for a man to be saved from eternal damnation for eternal life. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Hebrews 9.22 points out, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming down to the Jordan River, he said, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me tell you up front, I'm appreciative for the sciences and, and their advancements. I'm appreciative for the different fields that are trying to bring about remedy and cure for the ills of humanity. Whether it's in the medical field, whether it's in the field of psychology, whether it's in the field of psychiatry, I'm grateful. But what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I know this for myself. There are some habits that maybe no one can talk you through and talk you out of, but there is blood that flows from Emmanuel's vein that was shed over 2,000 years ago that once it touches your soul, once it cleanses your life, it will transform you from the inside out. There is power, wonder-working power, in the blood of Jesus. <sighs> I know this. You see, I, I had, a, I had a, a grandma. Her, her name was Nunu. In fact, I named her Nunu. Because I couldn't say her name. Uh, at least this is what I'm told. I'd, I named her Nunu. I was the oldest grandson. And, you know, she, they, I guess they one day tried to get me to say her name. And all I could say was Nunu. And so she was known from that time on as Grandma Nunu. But there was a phrase that I would hear uttered by Grandma Nunu. La sangre de Cristo. La sangre de Cristo. La sangre de Cristo. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And I would hear it uttered. And, I, and she would utter it like if she was in the car and somebody was driving dangerously or they not, nearly got into a car wreck. She'd be, la sangre de Cristo. La sangre de Cristo. La sangre de Cristo. Right? Or if one of my uncles would come around and scare her or somebody would scare her, she'd go, la sangre de Cristo. La sangre de Cristo. La sangre de Cristo. But there's something I knew about grandma that when she prayed for us, she would plead the blood of Jesus on us. And I've seen its power at work. One day, I was struggling with oppression in my mind. I just couldn't find any peace. I was in a battle. 
And I decided I was going to go to Nunu's house. At that time, they lived in a, like in a cul-de-sac area. And I went there, and, and, and I, I didn't tell her anything that was going on with me. But I just went, and I laid out on the couch, and I started watching TV, just trying to find some peace of mind. And, but Grandma Nunu was a prayer warrior, and she knew when something was up. You didn't have to tell her. The reason I know she knew something was up with me because I'm just there minding my own business, watching TV, trying to find peace of mind. Next thing I know, her hands are on my head. And would you know it, she started. La sangre de Cristo. She started praying in tongues. It's about to go down here. And sure enough, she prayed over me in tongues and she began to plead the blood of Jesus. And I began to sense the presence of God. And the oppression started to lift. And a peace began to fill my mind and heart. I left Grandma's Nunu's house able to think clearly again. And I learned There's power in the blood of Jesus. I know now that when she put her hands on me and began to declare, La sangre de Cristo, la sangre de Cristo, the blood of Jesus, she was serving notice not only to heaven, but to hell. She was saying, Heaven, we have a covenant, Father God. You said if I believe in you, you would not only save me, but my entire household. And she was serving hell notice. Hell, you have no inheritance in this. This inheritance that belongs to my grandson. It's been bought, purchased, signed, sealed, and delivered because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I plead. I plead the blood. Almost every day of my life now, I plead. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. In fact, for those of you that want to receive it, there is a, a handout that will be, that's already in the desk on the table in the foyer, which has a prayer written out by Joyce Meyer in her book called The Word, The Name, and The Blood. And it's a prayer that I pray often, almost daily over my life, over my wife, over my children. Over my extended family members, over this church family, over families of my friends, daily I plead the blood. Over the Sedora family, a family that I've adopted to heart after their mother passed away, I I committed to them. I said, your mama's not going to be here to pray for you anymore, but I commit to pray for you on the daily. And daily I plead the blood of Jesus over them because I know there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you, if you look from the Old Testament throughout the New Testament, it's always been God's intention to save not just individuals, but entire families. That's why Joshua would stand before the people and boldly declare, as for me 
and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's why Nehemiah told the people, fight for your houses. Fight for your wives. Fight for your children. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sisters. Why? Because God, when he sent Jesus of Nazareth to die on that cross, the blood was shed not just for your soul, but for everybody else that's connected to your family line. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what's in the history of your family. Today is a day to break the curse. Today is a day to break the past and say from this day forward, we're living out the promise because the blood says we can. And then finally she believed and she achieved. She believed and she achieved. But we got to go to the sixth chapter of Joshua to see what she achieved. And Joshua 6, verses 22 and 23 and verse 25. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the women and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, And all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives. And left them outside the camp of Israel. Watch this. And Joshua spared Rahab. The harlot. Her father's household. And all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day. Because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent. To spy out Jericho. Did you get it? Not only was she saved, but her family was saved. Her entire relatives that were behind that window where the cord hung, they were all saved. But notice it also says, and all that she had. Can I tell you, the blood of Jesus can not only protect you and your wife and your children, it can protect your property. It can protect all that belongs to you. Whatever God has made you a steward of, plead the blood of Jesus. I don't care who has it in you. I don't care who the higher up is in your company. If God said, this is what I've called you for, plead the blood of Jesus upon your occupation, upon your place of employment, and you will see that the Bible is true. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Doesn't matter What kind of steaming, shaking, or moving going on? If the blood is on you, you're marked for his favor and blessing. Because those who dare will obtain their share. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm simply saying your faith in God can change your future and your family's future. Your faith in God can change your future. And your family's future. And I'm saying, your history doesn't restrict you from experiencing God doing something historic through you. I told you, Rahab, when they first met her, she was a harlot. She was a prostitute. Ah. But your beginning doesn't have to determine your ending. Watch this. Here's, give me some historic, let me give you some historical background based on scripture. Rahab's son, Boaz, 
married Ruth and became the father of Obed, the grandfather of Jesse, and the great-grandfather of David. Thus, a Canaanite harlot became part of the lineage of King David, from whom the Messiah descended. You can't write this stuff up. Only in the Bible. That's what these verses reveal. This demonstrates that God's grace and forgiveness is extended to all and is not limited to the nationality or by the nature of a person's sins. Her past was not her potential. Your past is not your potential. God can cause you to experience the fulfillment of His promise as as, as, as great and far out there as it may seem to be, doesn't matter what your past is. Your past has no merit on the promise that God is giving to you. Your past is in the past. Today is a brand new day. And if you plead the blood of Jesus and believe that He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath, not only will He save you, not only will He save your household, but you will become the best version of who he created you to be regardless of whatever baggage you came into the kingdom with. I'm here to declare firmly and decisively today that it doesn't matter to me what is your history. I still believe in a God that can make history through you regardless of your history. I don't care what you've been labeled, what you've been called. You don't have to answer to that anymore. Just call on Him and He will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you don't even know of and that will blow your mind. I'm here to declare today there is power in the blood of Jesus and you will experience its power. If you decide like Rahab, I'm not going to allow fear to stop me from exercising faith in God. I'm not going to allow fear of being rejected anymore to stop me to exercise faith in a God who says I can come to Him and He'll receive me and He will work His purpose out in my life. And today it doesn't matter where you find yourself at or what you find yourself in. He is God above in heaven but He is also God here beneath on earth. You just got to believe. And there's some of you today that know there are people in your house, there are people in your family that you've you've just about given up on. But I want to call you back to your position. You are not called to release them and let them go to the enemy. You're called to get on the battlefield and remind the devil, devil, this is not a white flag I'm raising up. It's a banner to let you know heaven's Calvary is on the way because not only am I covered by the blood agreement that Jesus shed at the cross, my family has full coverage as well. And I'm going to fight until what God promised is fulfilled in their lives. Woo. Pastor, you're acting like you're feeling this. I do. I feel it. There's power in the blood. Father, I thank you that there is power Right now, in the blood of Jesus, that there is nothing that the enemy has planned or schemed or plotted or ployed 
that can stop your purpose from being fulfilled, your promise from being realized. If we're daring enough, like Rahab, to believe that you are who the Word says you are. You're not just God in heaven above. You're God here on earth beneath. We can experience the power from on high here and now. Thank you that they're right here in this room, in this building. There is no sickness or disease that cannot be cured through your power. Your healer right now. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to be healed. We can be healed here and now through your power. Because you are God. Not just in heaven. But on earth. You're just looking for somebody that would dare that would risk praying what Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm praying it again, Father. I prayed it earlier today. I'm praying it again right now. Right now, come in your power. Heal. 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 I'm going to ask the prayer warriors to come right now and stand. There's an anointing here. For deliverance. There's an anointing here for deliverance. There's some of you that are here right now that even as I was preaching this word, loved ones came to mind, family members came to mind. That's the Holy Spirit telling you. You got an assignment. Your assignment is to believe that there's power in the blood of Jesus to set them free. Your assignment is to believe that salvation belongs to you and your relatives. And to plead, you are a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. And as a priest, you have every right to plead the blood of Jesus on behalf of your loved ones. Yeah. And so we're going to pray for healing. And right here, right now, we're also going to pray for those of you that would say, Pastor, I need to start pleading the blood of Jesus over my loved ones. Maybe some of you have in the past, but you haven't been as diligent. But now you realize how important it is. And you say, I'm going to fight for my family. I want you to make your way up to this altar if that's you. There's power in a prayer of agreement. There's power in numbers, church. There is. When we come in agreement in numbers, I'm telling you, there's power in that. Exponentially, the power increases. I want you to come and pray for that loved one. In Cutler, I was led to pray for a loved one that's been on my heart and mind. And and I had them utter the names of those loved ones and pray. And I know God brought breakthrough. And so I'm inviting you right now. You know, you know that you are that one. Because all it took was one person, Rahab, to bring about salvation for her entire family. One person. It just took one father who said, I don't know why you're having me build this ark, but I'm going to build it 
not knowing that it would not just serve to save him, but his, his family as well. Will you be that one? Would you dare to believe today? Would you dare to believe today? Would you dare to believe today? Come right now. Stand at this altar and pray. Stand at this altar and pray. Come and plead the blood of Jesus over your household. There's power in the blood of the Lamb Jesus. Yes, Lord.